Yo, welcome back to the the best uh, crypto show ever. Welcome back to the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, this is episode 335. I'm the host that talks first, D. Secondary host, Dr. Corey Petty in the house. And I'm the third host, Jesse. We did it. Nice. I think it's the first time that's ever happened. You actually Look said the that. numbers all together. Hey, man. Look at that. It's a One, whole two, new world. Three. Look at us. Oh, what's that? That looks like bourbon. That is Irish whiskey. Ooh. It's a really cheap one, too, so it's like pretty bad. It's not very good. Ew. Cheap whiskey is nasty. What? Cheap liquor it's, is nasty. it's just really sweet. Mm. Yeah, so uh, how was y'all's week? Uh, busy. Mine was busy, but good. I mean, I, was... I have no complaints. Jesse, you're the same as every other day? Yeah, pretty much. I was playing with the whales in crypto. Dipping around. What do you mean you're playing with them. the whales? What were you doing? Like, <laughs> So on the exchanges, putting in market orders and moving prices around. You were moving privacy around? You throwing money? Yeah, around? you can move. You can move them around. With like what? How? How much money? Yeah, enough to move them around a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you know, like when rot water ripples, and then you have like oh. little 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 ripple ripples around a drop. I, I was see. feeling the little ripples. <laughs> how are you moving markets? Probably really hey, small hey. markets. Got to be really small markets. <laughs> <laughs> You moving those sub Satoshi markets? That's right. Like, mm, about to lay this five dollars down and fuck up somebody's whole world. <laughs> then they're just waiting for like a huge whale just like swallow you up, like the, like this gift that you posted. <laughs> Where did you post this gift? It's in Slack. I put it in the Slack. Yeah, it was of a whale eating. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's kind of scary. It's, it's pretty weird. majestic. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's exactly what happens. I'm not. That's how I would like to eat. I just want to hold my mouth open and all of my food pours into it. And then I close it once and I'm done. Like, it seems like a perfect thing to do. Maybe get some highly nutritious food like quinoa and just open my mouth, pour the quinoa in. And I close my mouth and I'm done eating. And there we go. Um, that actually seems like a very sad life. Well's lives must suck. 
There's no way they don't. But anyways, my week was good, man. Busy. I worked. Uh, you know, I'm becoming the resident crypto expert of all of Louisville, Kentucky. So everybody asked me all their questions. I'm about to start charging people. You should have been charging uh, a long time ago by now. Should have been charging a long time ago. I don't know if them singing means that they're automatically not sad, Alicia. She said, Wells can't be Wells can't be sad. They're singing all the time. I mean, you I know, literally think- I feel like most songs are from like depressed people. Yeah, except for Michael Jackson. No, he was clearly depressed. Um, Filthy Frank. Know. He wasn't depressed. Who's Filthy Frank? You know, Pink Eye. He's the two things that I don't know. <laughs> You're just you making words up and pretending like you know something? I'll have like, to link you guys. Hold on, hold on. I got you. All right, he's just he's making words up. Um, you know, Trash Can Harry. You don't know him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trash, trash Can Harry. You know what I'm saying? Uh, smashing hits like dumpster fire. Um, so the thing about it is being your resident crypto expert means that you are lambasted with questions from all over the place. But the right thing now, is, is yeah. that I love it. I love it. I, I honestly do. I'm like, ask me all the questions, bro. Yeah. Like I had some great questions this week. I had a, like, somebody said in a very nice way, they were pretty much like, it seems like you're educating people to buy an asset that you own because you already own it and you just want it to increase in value so then you can dump it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, no. And then somebody else had an argument. They're like, Warren Buffett (laughs) said that. Good rebuttal, sir. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No. You got to keep your rebuttals short and sweet, you know. But then somebody else said, like, well, Warren Buffett thinks Bitcoin is shit. You should stay away from it. And I was like, well, Warren Buffett also thought that Google was shit and Amazon was shit. Netflix was shit. He doesn't like tech. So what's your point? And at the end of the day, the irony in that. There's and irony. He bought in Snowflake, it. right? Because he bought Snowflakes? Yeah. No, Snowflake, that uh, cloud computing company, right? And it like, uh, I think, quadrupled since he bought it. Jesus Christ. That's that Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett boost right there. But nevertheless, it's ironic to shit on something to preserve your own wealth, to say that people are just trying to preserve their like he's he's shitting on the crypto community because he's like, hey, you're just trying to preserve your wealth. So if everybody buys what you already own, then your value goes up. But isn't that the same thing? Because like by shitting on crypto, he's ensuring everyone goes to all shit that he owns in the regular financial markets. So it's like. The irony in those statements are are hilarious from old Mr. Buffett. But I respect the man. I respect him. He's done a pretty good um, job in, in, in making money. He's done all right. <laughs> he's he's done okay. You know, if I had a thousand bucks and I didn't know what to do with it, I'd feel comfortable if he had the time. I'd say, Hey, I got a thousand bucks, what do I do with it? And if he told me, I would do what he said. <laughs> That's, you mean you like buy, if you turn you back buy the that. time? Buy that five million dollar uh, dinner with him, and then you can you can ask him that question. Oh, Pay five million dollars for a one thousand dollar. Did somebody question. do something like that? I'm in the whole five point one million, but that one thousand is gonna make me so much fucking money because it's Warren Buffett. Uh, so no way, five point zero zero one. What are we talking about? Wrong. My math was off. My decimals were moved. Uh, what I want to talk about is. Uh, another Negro Domus reality coming true. And that is 
Bitcoin is deep in the tranches. Bitcoin is deep in the pockets of our lawmakers. Our government. I can't just say it because it's not true. I can't prove it. But uh, I think we own it a Bitcoin. I think we own it a lot. We did um, what? I think we own the Bitcoin. We, I think we own does. the Bitcoin. Who? Who's we? Yeah, I think we own some. It's not. I'm saying like it's a bad accent. We own it a Bitcoin. You know, like it's a bad Italian accent. Not the Bitcoin. Not all of it. Like we didn't. We don't own it all. I'm just saying that we partake in Bitcoin-like activity. Who's we? The government. The United oh. States government. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to become very evident. And I think that. They're trying to draw some bold lines between Bitcoin and U.S. digital currency. Or Bitcoin and altcoins and others versus some sort of digital currency that's issued by a country. They're trying to put a bold line in the sand. I think they're going to try to build a regulatory framework for it. And those dominoes are falling because this week our, our president-elect here, Mr. Joseph Biden, uh is going to nominate a blockchain professor as the SEC chairman, which to me is like, oh, okay, that's an obvious move. Very obvious move. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's going to feel weird, like having a regulated Bitcoin or regulated Bitcoin interactions. What do you mean by regulated Bitcoin interactions? Like, how is that different than now? I mean, are they super regulated? I feel like I could still send Bitcoin to whoever I want. You know? Who's Tom yelling at? Who knows? The internet? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, it's not that regulated, Corey. I could send my Bitcoin to whoever I want. Sure, but you're going to pay the taxes on it. Yeah, but that's different. That's tax law. That's different. I'm talking about is regulations it, like. Is it though? Yeah, is it's it, different. Right now, if different? I sent some, if I sent money from my Bank of America account, which I probably shouldn't say because you know people are cre- creepy, they'll look me up. People are creepy. If I send my money from Bank of America to Dutch Bank to some one of my friends in Germany who I know banks with the Dutch Bank, I can't do that. I can't just up and do it. I can't. There's regulated framework for how I can do that. I've got to either take the money and translate it into whatever the fuck they use, euros, and send them euros. I can't send them too many euros. Can't send them a bag of euros in the mail. That ain't going to fly. I've got to use SWIFT. Right? So more, I've got more, you need more regulation. That's what we're going to see. In terms yeah. of like... Yeah. I mean... From my opinion, the majority of the regulation is going to be associated with, with businesses and not individuals. I hope that there's more guidance in terms of um, differentiation on how you use cryptocurrency and the associated regulations with them, right? So like, say I make crypto for a living. How does that get taxed? How do I how do I handle that? Ostensibly, it's income. Uh, and then when I use it, Currently, the way I understand it is that I do need to, I need to either I need to pay capital gains tax on from when I earned it as income to when I sold it. 
And there's a bunch of other things like transferring different coins and DeFi throws a huge loop into this because it's, it's just going to get more and more convoluted. And I'm not sure how tax, tax, tax codes are going to work with that as you go in and out of multiple coins in almost zero time or earn interest on things and mine and stake and whatever. So I hope that the regulations are coming out around that. Uh, it is a wonderful thing that... I like how you sigh when you think about it's how so complicated. It is to track it's so of how com- you're making money. <laughs> so complicated. Like when you when you understand how smart contracts work, the, the complication in my opinion is the mapping from how things are happening in the crypto sphere, the blockchain universe, the whatever the hell you want to call it, to like traditional tax code or like traditional business logic and how you run an organization. In, a, in any given jurisdiction, whether it be United States or China or wherever, that mapping from one to the other is like the worst. It's awful. And it, it's it's awesome to hear that like apparently the SEC's uh, director is going to be familiar and comfortable with at least like the fundamentals of blockchain. I, I highly doubt he's up to date on you know what Badger Dow is doing? Farming. DeFi yield farming. <laughs> like, like there's a zero percent chance that that's the case. But he has a foundation that he can learn. And when something is presented to him and his whoever's team is or her, I don't know who it is. Uh, he has an intuition. They have an intuition on like how to think about this stuff and treat it appropriately. Because like when I first joined like the corporate world, when I left academia, my goal, my naive, my naive goal was to like try and make a difference in the establishment because more often than not, the people who were making decisions on these things were completely ignorant on how any of it worked whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So like, that's huge that some of the highest held positions are having like real intuitive ideas on how this stuff works and how to treat it. And then, and then like that helps shape better mappings from the crypto universe to jurisdictional regulation. It just, I don't know. Can you imagine in like 15 years when the 1% of us that are participating in crypto now are getting audited by the IRS and the IRS is like asking questions like, so wait a second. So, you bought a badger and it ate some sushi and then <laughs> the sushi produced bananas and that's how you got your mansion? That, that, <laughs> yeah. Wait, can you please like fill me in? That's going to be a crazy conversation. But at, at the same time, that person asking those questions from the IRS is going to be someone who was in crypto. I hope so. You know what I mean? It has to be. Who's going to ask the right but questions? It, but it, the people who are informing this stuff are are us. Like, take it from a personal example. I informed the tax code for Swiss law on how to handle ICOs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's how the cookie is going to crumble. There is like and so like you think about that kind of thing, and like the, those those of us who have been in this for a long time have done stuff, have contributed, had to handle basically. How to, how to handle this stuff. Like they're like more often than not, a lot of governments are like, uh, can you help me out here? Like, how does this work? My problem up until maybe the past 
couple of years was that the majority of the people who were who they were asking were stupid. Yeah. Because there was a lot of like pretend. I mean, I'm sure it's still there. There's a lot of pretending of like pseudo understanding of how things work and an effort to gain clout within the ecosystem. The pool of actual people who are good and have are provably good because you can see what they've done is much, much larger, although there's still plenty of charlatans. Hmm. D is muted for something. How are you gonna handle the regulations? I I haven't touched DeFi, so it's gonna be a lot more straightforward for me than for people who are yield farming right now. Why do you say it that way? Because <laughs> I mean it's true, isn't it? <laughs> Defy? Oh, defy, defy, decentralized, I don't know, it's whatever. You're saying like, I defy that. Yeah, I know. We're not gonna take it. (laughs) No, we ain't gonna take it. Is that you just? I guess. You got the hair for it, that's for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not watching, because you're not, because we're not going to post the video, Jesse's hair, let me tell you something. He could rule a third world country. And I know that's kind of racist. It's like Sadal Sassoon. Like, is that a thing still? I don't know. Like, it's, it's some high end salon product advertisement he, going on here. Yeah. Locks He's either love. born with it. He's born with it or it's Maybelline. One of the two. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybelline, I think, is, is, is it makeup? No, it's no, no they, they do everything. I don't know. I just look at that hair and I want to fight. Like I want to fight for honor. You know what wow. I mean? Like, like I look at it, I say, like, you know that that scene in Lord of the Rings where the orcs yeah, are, I, I t- exactly you know? know what you're saying. Yeah, Boromir and like his hairstyle. Exactly. So yeah, you're like, going for it. Are you going for that? You can. No, I'm really you can LARP not. with us, dude. You let us know if you're LARPing all the time. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. You want to be the ring that. bearer, Corey? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can. Have it. A, I'll have an axe. I know that. That's for sure. It makes you want to pick up an axe. One of those battle axes. <laughs> the sharp sides on both. But anyways, I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting because crypto is... It's crazy because crypto is doing exactly what we've been prophetic about over the last five years. And it just doesn't feel as awesome as I thought it would feel. I mean, <laughs> it feels pretty awesome. I'm looking I'm looking at my bankroll and it's feeling pretty awesome. I'm not, not I mean, that's not... That's cool, but... Everything else is not. Dude, think like, about this. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe we can think about that in a second. I but thought you were I, in I it on, for the tech, bro. I am. That's why I build tech. But like, let's not like let's not get it twisted. <laughs> I, I want to make money. Like, let's not be stupid about this. I'm not dumb. Like, I would like yeah. to make money. Uh, I just go about it a bit different. That's not my focus. Um, but like, why aren't you making free like status free, Corey? Why, why aren't status tokens free? Like that's, not how, that's not how crypto economics <laughs> works. Why aren't they like circles, Corey? Why don't we just generate them out of nothing? See how that worked out. <laughs> oh, circles is still going? That's still a thing? Maybe. No, I mean, the contracts are there, so it's still know. going. I don't know who posted it in the Slack, but I was like, that is fucking garbage. That idea. Oh, no, we have, a, we have a whole channel of it in the Slack, and the, the majority of the channel is like, this is garbage. <laughs> it's a good not, idea. Not at the beginning, it was, an, it was an experiment, and it was a. They weren't ready for any, how viral any it went in the ecosystem, and so like the majority of their infrastructure was terrible because they're not web developers. Um, but I wanted to say like I've been on Facebook a lot lately, uh, arguing with people about politics. For I yeah, don't have enough to do. Uh, that's new for you, bro. That's a new personality. <laughs> there's there's a I'm reason. 
there's a reason behind it, and we'll get to that maybe one day. But I'm, I think I'm, I know the reason. It's, it's purposeful. It. Uh, I know. Like, go for it. As I get caught up in the in the trap of Facebook, I do a little <laughs> scrolling, and I'm seeing a lot of people like passively talk about cryptocurrency and investing and buying things and selling it and talking about the price and from, from from people that I never would have guessed are like into it. And then I'm like, hey, I got a podcast. Like, you do what? I was like, yeah, man, I've been doing this for like five years now. Like, <laughs> you know me, don't you? Like, they don't. But it's also like, it's crazy to see how ubiquitous the understanding that Bitcoin exists is. And funny enough, it's still basically only Bitcoin or derivatives of Bitcoin because people aren't comfortable with it. So they use like, mining companies that mine Bitcoin and you can buy those through like whatever investment app that you have on your phone. It's never like, it's it's yeah. like almost half and half or more leaning towards the companies that give you exposure to Bitcoin without, without you having to do anything, which tells me that like, we're not even remotely close to the idealistic world that we came into here for where everyone owns their own things I don't think we're, I'm not terribly sure we're ever going to get there, but what we're seeing is the same. It's just being leveraged by this decentralized world that we wanted to build in the first place. I don't think we're ever going to get there because I don't think people want to be there. I don't think people can get there. No, you don't think they can. I don't think they can get there. Even if you had the infrastructure built out, unless it was like as ubiquitous as like Facebook or gmail which you know arguably it might be one day i think it would need to be that simple and it's not ever going to be that simple in fact coinbase is probably you know one of the like the easiest on ramps to get people into crypto through arguably yes yeah yeah but i don't i haven't had any issues with people signing up for coinbase yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like Coinbase will be like I the know. hub of of it, it'll be the it'll be the entry point for like everybody. Coinbase. Coinbase. <laughs> Somebody's gonna say it. Yes. There's never a time I ever say that word. Not not do that. Download the app, man. Coinbase. Get yourself some Bitcoin. <laughs> they would be so fucking mad. Like, <laughs> Jesus, they would get in so much trouble if they did that because it's like appropriation. But we can do it for you, Coinbase. I mean, yeah. shit, we don't mind it. Like, throw us some money, and we'll appropriate Jamaican accents for you. <laughs> I've got a pretty good Jamaican accent. I think I can, I can definitely like really alienate that community. <laughs> you need some Ethereum, huh? You need some, huh? You need some Cosmos. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> What Jesse's trying to say is that most of you listening to this show are too stupid to understand. <laughs> Jesse, why are you calling all our audience stupid? <laughs> no, our audience is smart, Corey. I'm talking about <laughs> the people on Facebook that you're arguing with. But they're, some of them are listening. Oh, God. Wait. Okay, not you. The other people. <laughs> it's always the other people. <laughs> Jesse, you can't be scared to alienate people. No, we've been just, doing it for years. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> just, just alienate the fuck out of people. We are not journalists. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I just think they don't want to, Corey. I think people are genuinely lazy. 
Yeah. It's the old fucking fun theory. Yeah, but it's People, not that, right? It's not... I don't know, man. I... I have a hard time saying those words. It's not that people are lazy. There's too much to do. Like, in order to like be good at something, you need to focus on that one thing. And there's so many things to be good at that you just kind of have to not, you have to not give a shit about so many things in order to be good at something. Now, like maybe like the majority of people don't work to like get good at other things or like, better hone their skills. They get to a certain point in their lives where they have a career and they just do that thing and they don't care about anything else. And it's very, very easy to just waste your time on a bunch of shit. But I don't know. Uh, laziness is not the word I would like to use for everyone. Okay. I think uh, motivated is probably the better word. They're oh, not motivated. I've learned this lesson before. I learned this lesson from Wayne Gandalf the Grey. Um... It's not that people are lazy. It's not that they don't have the mental capacity, Jesse. That was really messed up calling everybody stupid. Wait, what? For real. <laughs> For real, Jesse. So, you, need to, you need to think about what you said and like... Yeah. Jesus Jesse Christ. sometimes says... No, the funniest thing is, oh, before I go into that, whatever the fuck I was about to talk about, Jesse, sometimes you say things in total innocence is like just an observation. And yeah. It, it is destroying people's souls. Like, like what? Like when you told we interviewed this girl. I can't remember her name. It was like oh, Crypto the girl Black. who thought she was famous, but I didn't know her. She's she's not as famous as she thinks she is. She's famous in the crypto community, which is like I don't know, at least a F level actor. I've met her in person. And so Jesse didn't know who she was, <laughs> and he said something along the lines of like, "Do you think?" What he say is like, "Do you?" What did you say, Jesse? I, I don't like, know, but oh, she was offended. It ended up. And I was like, I don't understand how you're offended. Being really offended that Jesse didn't know who she was. That's happened yeah. a few times on the show. Like I remember, yep. I've I've interviewed people, and I would be like, "So, what do you do?" And they're like, "What do you mean? What do I do?" It's like, "Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it you do here?" Because we interviewed this company. It's apparently it was a three billion dollar company, and they were just dipping their toe into some sort of intellectual property blockchain they're trying to really sell it it was an announcement and so at the end of the show i was like hey you know how do you tell people how to find your company like what do you guys do like you can be more popular maybe let the audience know and he was like i run a three billion dollar company and i was like that's great can you answer the question (laughs) (laughs) so uh oh that's what you said daniel just let us know he asked the lady he goes so is what you do actually hard? <laughs> Wait, does, that can't be what I asked. I feel like I we thought... should we should ask everyone we ever interview that question. <laughs> that would be the funniest question and the funniest Just, response. It starts out with what do you do, and the said. second question every single time is is what you do actually hard? <laughs> and then she like laughed it off. She's like, <laughs> I mean, um, do I take that question seriously or oh, are you that- like? I remember yeah. she said that. She'll like, take that question seriously. What she, she does isn't hard, so her answer should have been no. Yeah, that's yeah, Alicia. Alicia, I'm on board with what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's not what offended her. I was asking her like, 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 do you have like a marketing strategy like that you employ? Like, essentially, like how how did you get how did you get your following? Something along those lines. And she was offended because I think she she assumed that, that you were calling her a thirst trap. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm actively trying to become a thirst trap. It's not it's not easy. <laughs> I'm gonna start giving those Instagram models like a lot more credit. It's just not easy to be a thirst trap. So they're working hard. They are. Gonna, I think I'm gonna go sign up for an OnlyFans after this to support one. No, don't do it. Don't do what are you it. Talking about? No, it's just for support. It's just for support. <laughs> what what they do is difficult. Have you ever tried to be a thirst trap like as a priority in your life? Well, if if it was the only thing that I did, I think I'd be pretty good at it. Because <laughs> those they aren't doing I mean, nothing else. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not the only thing that I do, but it's tough, bro. You got to do combination mo- movements with weights. You break all kinds of sweats. It's tough, bro. It's not easy. It's easy for me. I'm too good looking. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but just be ready because when I pull the trigger and we go full <laughs> on thirst trap dudes in crypto, that's going to be our whole market swing. Just be ready. All right? That's the new rebrand. It's like just almost naked dudes. That's it. All we're going to do is say, hey, we know about Bitcoin and show off our chests with oil. Whoa. And people are going to love it. Yeah, we're getting like that. Is is there like a I feel sorry for them. Sorry, dude. We have an interview today and he's about to he has to follow this. Uh, Is is like is there going to be like uh, like the the sneak peek like like the like. You know, you got like uh, bottom boot as as a as a as a as a marketing strategy on instagram yeah, dude. i'm gonna put like bottom, did you say bottom boob bottom boob what's the word yeah, like, you mean under boob under boob that's the word I'm looking for what is there <laughs> is there like a similar thing for dudes like is there like yeah sweatpants uh sweatpants bulge i was thinking like yeah. under sack under sack <laughs> that is not a angle oh, anyone no. wants no? to be <laughs> maybe you just set your thirst thirst trap game up Except for 70s porn. They love that angle for some reason. <laughs> I was like, who thought this was a good idea? You I think that's the, the that might be the perfect way to transition into a, an interview. Oh, yeah. So we really seriously interviewed someone from a super serious company <laughs> called Bizarre. <laughs> oh, my God. Thirst Rap Thursdays. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put little Bitcoin symbols over my nipples on Instagram. And then I'm going to tell them to subscribe to my OnlyFans if they want the Bitcoin symbols removed. <laughs> you will be the only OnlyFans that I ever subscribe to. <laughs> no, bro. I'm going to sheer principle. At a sheer principle. I'm going to mechanical Turk myself into most followed. Just say like, hey, you know, if, you know, <laughs> so people think. Anyways, uh, Masari, we interviewed uh, we interviewed a distinguished gentleman from a company called. Masari, their website is masari.io. They do research. Um, so like, instead of talking about the fundamentals of the market based truly upon your gut and life experience, like I do, they actually do research, very <laughs> thorough research. You know, they don't listen to the tingles in their jinglies and make decisions about money. No, that's not what they do. They do research. Um, and uh, this, this, this gentleman, uh, you know, basically they, they did research like for Wall Street and they were like, you know what? Like uh, we're going to Ryan Watkins. That was the guy's name. How long it took gonna, you to, to search for his name as you chatted? I'm literally looking at his name. I'm just talking weird. All right. 
<laughs> just um, calling out your podcast game. No big deal. Keep going. You know, uh, Masari. I wonder what Masari means in English. But anyways, I'm I, sorry. I guess, <laughs> I guess I could have I could have asked that during the interview. Um, but there's a lot of great points that he makes. And the most the, the best point that I like is where I was like, hey, man, do you think this stuff has legs like long term legs? And he's like, yeah, without a doubt, this is here to stay forever, for forever on until infinity. And it's only going to evolve. So that was good to hear from someone who actually, you know, makes great decisions as opposed to me. So um, wow. you guys got anything? Does anyone say anything before we go into this? I wasn't a part of the interview. so but I, I wasn't going to fucking, it doesn't matter. I wasn't going to let you say anything. You shut down. I already it's said it, so you lost and you failed. It's interview time. All right. Here it is. And hello, everyone. You know what time it is. It's time for another one of the Bitcoin podcasts interviews. And uh, you know how we do. Just going to keep it casual. Keep it chill. Today... We are joined by Ryan Watkins from Masari. What's up, Ryan? Welcome, welcome to the show, man. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you love our show a little bit, a lot, or the most of all the crypto podcasts? Uh, I definitely like it, uh, but yeah, there's, a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of competition now. Um, but no, I, 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 def- I definitely have you know listened to your guys' show, and, and I do appreciate it. Dope. Um, well, let's get to know you, right, man. Like, how did you, I know crypto has been around for a while now, you know, it's been, I mean, we've been doing this for five years, around five years before that, you know, there's like everyone's origin story since tends to be circled around or centered around some sort of, some sort of a bull market. Yeah. Maybe yours is probably the same, but like, what were you doing prior to crypto? And like, when did you know, okay, I've got to get into crypto now. This is just going to be my life. This is what I do. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, so I think if, if I was really being honest, it probably starts somewhere back in uh, 2013. I had uh, a friend of mine who, who was using the Silk Road. So that, that was actually the, the real Oh, sh- oh shit. Um, and... Uh, the use case didn't really interest me, but it did introduce me to the concept of a digital currency you can use on the internet. Uh, so that was kind of like the first introduction, kind of put it to the side. I mean, at the time I was like 17, um, and then it didn't really touch crypto until uh, probably sometime in college. Um, so probably around like 2016, uh, I'm studying finance at uh, Fordham University, and I'm looking to go into investment banking and I hear about all these Wall Street investment banks experimenting with this thing called blockchain technology. Uh, so I thought, oh, like if I want to go into Wall Street, let me go and learn about blockchain technology. So there was someone started a club on my campus called the Cryptocurrency Club. Uh, they're actually an intern for Coindesk. And funny enough, they actually interned for, for Ryan Selkis, who I know now work for now, sorry. Uh, and they had some free tickets to go to Consensus in 2016. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll go to this, this consensus conference is supposed to be the largest blockchain conference in the world. Uh, so I went there, I worked a hackathon over the weekend, went to the conference. And even still after that conference, I had 
no idea how blockchain technology works. And I did not get why people are comparing it to internet. And in hindsight, what I learned is that at that conference, it was kind of the year of blockchain, not Bitcoin, or like blockchain, not cryptocurrency. So it was all about enterprise blockchain technology. And there really wasn't like a strong emphasis on any of the cryptocurrencies. Uh, so once again, I pushed it aside. So it was in 2017 when I'm doing my uh, junior year internship uh, in investment banking at Bank America. And I'm sitting at my desk in the summer and I see a headline come across my desk that says Ethereum up 2,500% uh, year to date. I'm just like, what in the world is Ethereum? Because uh, I thought that all the cryptocurrencies were supposed to be uh, not interesting. Uh, so, and I think another part of it was that uh, when I would go and read the news articles or when I'd see it on TV, it was such a polarizing topic. Like no one had a, a mild opinion about Bitcoin. It was always just this thing is going to change the world or this thing is a scam. Uh, so I needed to figure out what was going on. So really in 2017, it started just dabbling some money I made over the summer. And then uh, just, you know, as they say, falling down the rabbit hole. So the first thing I started learning about was kind of like the, the history of money, uh, the philosophy of money, basically just asking, you know, what is money in the first place? It's something I had never really thought about critically before. Um, yet it's this thing that is a fundamental building block of, uh, of civilization. So that was like really fascinating to learn about. Um, and then, you know, so that was kind of like the intellectual uh, fascination with it. And then uh, at that point, I, I kind of got to the point where I understood Bitcoin as an investment, but uh, I wasn't at the point where I was ready to you know, dedicate a career to it. Um, so that point came probably during my last semester of my senior year in 2018, when I learned about Ethereum and somehow learned that this technology, uh, as ambitious as it was to attempt to reimagine how money works, uh, somehow even went beyond that. And that's what I learned with Ethereum is that it was kind of like this general purpose technology for building uh, new institutions uh, using blockchain technology. So once I had that idea in my head, uh, at that point I was pretty much set to just abandon investment banking and go into this industry full time because I thought something special was going on there. But um, obviously didn't know what was out there. So I still ended up going to do investment banking for about a year. And then in the meantime, I was recruiting and just like networking people in the industry, continuing to learn and you know, ultimately landed at Masari about uh, a year ago where I now do research. Man, that's quite a story. It's always interesting to me like how powerful this technology slash money slash currency is that it just yanks people out from what seems to be like, you know, a spot on trajectory in their career into into crypto. And uh, I just think that I've always thought that was really fascinating. You know, did you get did you, you know, like uh, what camp are you officially in? I mean, you went to consensus. Are you like can you have blockchain without Bitcoin? I know that's just a phrase, but I guess are you cryptocurrency? is a thing and is it awesome or no it's just blockchain blockchain is what it's all about what camp are you in yeah i am firmly in the cryptocurrency camp my man that's what i'm <laughs> yeah talking about. no it, it was funny i mean i mean that's why i didn't get it at first when i went to consensus in 2016 because i just it just seemed like it was an enterprise yeah i mean to be honest it just seemed like a boring enterprise database technology so 
Uh, I just yeah. I didn't understand it until I, I really started learning about the cryptocurrencies. Like, all right, like, all right, so now this is what's yeah. special. I've been in so many arguments with so many professionals of, of like across the board. They're always like, oh, yeah, blockchain is the only thing that's special. And I'm like, no, it's not. I can use a Google spreadsheet and put some good <laughs> permissions on it and I'm good to go. No, I, I need see, baby. So, I mean, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. So, so Masari, why did they, you know, how did they pluck you out of the ether, per se, pun intended? What what attracted you to Masari? Yeah. So back in, yeah, back probably middle of 2019. So like I said, uh, graduated from college in, in 2018, uh, went to go work in investment banking. And then throughout that first year I was in banking, I spent a ton of my free time uh, when I had it because, I mean, banking hours suck. Uh, just like meeting people in the space and in networking. And one of the people that I came across was uh, was was Eric, who uh, you know leads research for us, and uh, just had some good conversations. Uh, ended up joining their uh, community analyst program, which was it's basically just this thing where you know anyone anyone can contribute, uh, you know, can basically just contribute content as a, on a part time basis to Masari. So these are things like writing profiles for different crypto assets, uh, helping out write some content for the site, uh, a whole variety of things. And I basically started doing that in my free time and they liked what I wrote, uh, ended up interviewing with them and, and ended up joining. Um, so that's kind of like the process as far as like why I'm sorry. So I thought, I thought it was cool for a couple of reasons. I think like when I first wanted to get into this space, I was really interested in the kind of investments and research side of, of crypto. Mm -hmm. um, now, what I like about Masari is that uh, on the research front is that one, it was entirely focused on uh, the crypto assets themselves. So it wasn't about looking at uh, centralized companies that are building infrastructure for cryptocurrencies. It was, it was really just about the cryptocurrencies themselves. And I also like the, the style of, of writing that Masari uh, did. And it was very, uh, clear it was simple and it was it was very educational and what i always enjoyed about reading their content is that it wasn't just about dumping a ton of data and information on you but it was actually about why these assets matter and that's what i wanted to to do as a as, as a researcher in this industry is really to you know, not just give people data and yeah. uh, spit facts at them, but really to tell a story about why this stuff is important. Absolutely, man. I'm very familiar. I've done a little bit of analytics myself in a past life. And you've got to tell a story because, I mean, numbers are just numbers. But if you're not attaching, like, why the numbers are important or what the value is or what the trend is or what... So what a lot of people don't realize is that when you're doing the analysis like you do, it's, it's attaching the the education piece to it. And Masari does an excellent job with this. Um, if I could ask, you know, as you're, you're the senior research analyst, what do you find, like, I know you spend a lot of time digging into numbers, reporting reports, like, what makes cryptocurrency a unique new asset class? Because I say stuff like this all the time, and I'm just a normal Joe. 
I'm just a normal guy. You know, nobody. When I start saying shit like asset classes, they're like, "Bro, what are you? <laughs> like, we're at McDonald's. We're at McDonald's. What are you? What are you talking about? But like, what? You know, since the general public is generally not gonna understand or even want to understand like an asset class, but just the people that love our show do. Like, have you found in your research things that make cryptocurrency a bona fide and unique? new asset class yeah 100 percent. because uh yeah so i think one thing that is very interesting about crypto once you get immersed into the space is you realize the variety and diversity of the assets that are in this industry so i think like one thing when i first was getting into crypto i just thought they were all the same like you see bitcoin you see ethereum at the time like XRP, and you think that they're all just doing the same thing. They're all just competing to be currencies. And that's just not the case. Like when you actually dive under the hood and you see, okay, well, yes, there are crypto assets that are aiming to be currencies, but that's just a subset of all the different assets in the space. There's also assets that are kind of resemble equities, except they resemble like ownership in decentralized networks. Um, And there's like a whole variety of these different type of, of cryptocurrencies. And I think what makes them like, you know, really, really unique is, and I'll use an example from, you know, a recent report that I did on uh, Ethereum, Ethereum's next upgrade, E2.0, is, and you know, one of the things that, especially for public, like, like the, the base layer blockchains, like, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, is it's not enough to just understand Ethereum from a technological perspective. Uh, so like, you know, it's one thing to understand, okay, this is how Ethereum works. Uh, here's the applications it enables. That's one thing, it's just technology. There's another part of it that is kind of like the uh, political philosophy, which is something that you typically don't have to even think about when you're analyzing other assets. So like when I'm thinking about when you're, when you're doing analysis on Apple, you don't have to learn about the political philosophy of Tim Cook or the management team or why Apple was built. You just gotta learn how much, how many phones they sell or how many computers they sell. It's just, it's just more simple. But then when you're understanding something like Ethereum or Bitcoin, I actually think it's critical to understand, okay, well, why does like why was this thing built, and what are the uh, values of this uh, this network? And the values aren't important just because you know we, we think it's it's cool. <laughs> they're, they're important mm-hmm. because the values actually translate into real properties that these blockchains have. So in order for Ethereum to be, you know, this global, you know, neutral, censorship resistant. Uh, platform that anyone in the world can access. Well, you need to have a uh, a community that uh, believes these things, right? So you need to have a community that wants to run uh, software with rules that ensure that Ethereum has these desired properties. So I think that was probably the the biggest thing that I realized when analyzing this asset class is that. Uh, Crypto, basically blockchains are institutions. They're, they're not like 
they're not just they're not companies they're not uh they're not just currencies like they, they are full-blown institutions uh and it's what almost like that? elaborate on that it's interesting yeah so like so when i say like blockchains are I mean, this is like getting you know, really meta, but you know, I, I think like a blockchain is is fundamentally a, a new way of organizing uh, uh, people, it, and a new way of organizing you know economic, social, and political activity. So what, what do I mean by that? Is well, if you think about like what Bitcoin does, is it is it has created uh, a, a, a incentives for a network of people. To contribute resources to creating uh, this monetary asset, right? And essentially, what it's doing is it is it is providing this incentive called Bitcoin to people to run uh, infrastructure to create this global computer network that can uh, store transactions and allow you to send and receive transactions. Um, so that that's where I and that's where I say it's kind of like an institution. Is it's like it's like this entire incentive system uh, that has been constructed to uh, incentivize people to provision some kind of good or service. In this case, it being a, a monetary asset. Uh, and in order for it to work, well, this institution needs to have uh, rules. But how do you ensure that this uh, institution has rules? Well, there needs to be some kind of like social uh, contracts between uh, this network and the people that that use it, uh, and, and what that means is basically just that, uh, like people people who are using Bitcoin, uh, they they basically need to agree to subject themselves to certain rules, mm -hmm. uh, and in, in the case of Bitcoin, like those rules are, you know, not being able to double spend transactions or those rules are there will only be 21 million Bitcoin or no one should be able to stop me from making a Bitcoin transaction, right? These are rules that everyone running Bitcoin software like need to agree to so that Bitcoin can have these desired properties. Uh, so that, that's kind of like what I mean by it's an, it's an institution. It's, it's really just like a, a new way of organizing people to, uh, to engage in different economic, social and political activities. Look, you're not wrong. It is. It's got a lot of game theory in it, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying that. You know, you got to play by the rules of whatever network that you want to be a part of. So, I mean, that's yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's. Uh, Do you think that? Go ahead. Yeah, I was. I was going to say, and it's pretty cool because, uh it's a way of creating rules without rulers. So it's not like there is a, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of figurehead that creates the rules and enforces those rules. It's actually this network of distinct individuals and entities that are uh, collectively deciding what the rules are and subjecting themselves to it. And, you know, therefore like creating order out of something that, uh, if you look up from the outside in, seems like it'd be chaotic. Like, how, how is it possible that you have, you know, millions of people around the world that collectively own and control Bitcoin, and it's not just pure chaos, right? 
I mean, that's that's what's so special about this technology is it, it is a way for you know, all these, you know, millions of people across the world who don't trust each other, don't know each other to somehow uh, coordinate uh, and follow the same rules to, to create some 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 better service. So this solid points, man. It is awesome every time I go overseas for a conference. And then when you see somebody paying with Bitcoin, it's like you kind of know who that person is without really knowing them. So you're right there that it does have this uh, effect of uh, organizing people and organizing people's behavior, you know, from all the way from the miners to just the users. So that's just Bitcoin. But, oh, I got an interesting question for you. I thought of this while you're talking. Have you ever gotten an assignment that you like really didn't want to research? You can be honest. Have you ever got a shit coin job where you're like, oh no, why do I have to research this shit coin? So I <laughs> <laughs> or are you even allowed to say that? Are you allowed? No, I can definitely I can definitely say, I mean, you know, there's uh I don't really get assigned things any oh, okay. anymore, but yeah, there's definitely been times when I like earlier on when I had to cover certain no, let's, I'm, I'll just put a name to it, like covering like Ripple or Stellar. I knew you were gonna like, say it. I knew it. I knew it. These things are shit coins, <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're and they're useless. Um, and Stella's you know, just, coin? I, I oh, believe man. so. I thought Stellar had something to it. Or like, or like Litecoin, like Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. I mean, it's just one of those things where they they are, you know, just just. By, you know, by, by virtue of them having been, you know, in the case of like, you know, XRP or Litecoin, by virtue of them having been uh, old networks that launched very early, like they have, they're like listed on a bunch of exchanges. They have integrations with different like payments providers, right? Uh, and they, they've kind of like captured this mind share. Um, and they've also, in a sense, been like legitimized in a way because they are like top 10 uh, crypto assets. But if you think about it, like, mm. what is the purpose of Litecoin? Like, it's marketed as a digital silver, but like, while that makes sense in in, a, in kind of like a nominal sense, like practically speaking, like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, what is what is the use case for uh, a, a Bitcoin fork with uh, block times that are four times as fast in a uh, total supply that's four times larger. Like, those are really the only differences. Like it just, it's like, it's literally like useless. It's a high um, risk te- test net, man. It's a high risk test net. <laughs> like, in, I guess in the best case, but like if it's a, te- you know, <laughs> I, I guess in a sense, yeah, it's kind of like a incentivized test net because there's like real world stakes. But uh, if that's the case, I mean, why, why does this thing need to be worth uh, billions of dollars and why can't this be worth Ten million dollars. Yeah. Mm. If those Litecoin listeners right now, you, you just made them get real salty in the mouth. Real, <laughs> real salty. It is what it is, I guess. I mean, I used to actually love Litecoin, like uh, about five or six years ago. Mine Litecoin, thought it was awesome. Uh, it just kind of lost its luster with me just because I feel like it doesn't ever do anything, even though I, I guess it does, but it, I don't know. It's just kind of there. 
So yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's, that's definitely like a good point. Is that uh, you know, I think like a good example of this is probably uh, like Dogecoin. So Dogecoin is like a completely useless cryptocurrency, but I think it would probably always have value because uh, it's kind of like in a sense like sentimental value. Uh, it's kind of like this kind of meme value. Um, it's almost like it's almost like art in a sense. It's like this, um, you know, this kind of special like yeah. inside joke among early people in the cryptocurrency community uh, about this coin. You know? Yeah, I mean that's all it is. That's all it is. It's just like a novelty token. So it'll it'll probably have some staying power to be truthful. So. An XRP, Jesus. I don't understand it, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, so do you feel like, here's a, here's an important thing. It's something I've just been pondering myself this year. Is that Last time when prices were wild like this, I felt like it was like, there was no justification for it. Like we, everyone was pulling at things, trying to provide a justification for why the price was just going out of control. Um, but I don't think there was a real solid thing, but, but now this year it feels different, man. It feels like, you know, you hear every day or at least not every day, but every week you hear some new large institution is like, yeah, man, I'll bring some onto my balance sheet. I don't have a problem with it. And then, you know, investment groups are doing the same and family, family, uh, funds are doing the same. Do, do you feel that this year is uniquely different in comparison? It's kind of another one of those just r regular standard issue crypto run-ups. Yeah, I, I think there there's a massive difference. I mean, in, in 2017, and granted, like that's when I like really started getting in and obsessing over this this space. But even so, I could tell at the time that uh, nothing really worked. You know, people were just buying assets based off uh, empty promises and dreams, and uh, as a result, they they suffered for it. When 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 the bubble burst, and you know, people realized that much so much of this stuff was actually uh, either one worthless or two, uh, just a little bit further out. Now the difference today is that I mean, across the board, I mean, starting with Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin is as close to a complete product as it probably will be. And now we're seeing uh, institutional adoption of Bitcoin as a as a macro asset. So that's everyone from, you know, the, the Paul Tudor Jones of the world to, uh, you know, insurance firms buying Bitcoin to corporations buying Bitcoins to like endowments investing in you know, cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know, Bitcoin has has arrived as a as a as a you know, full fledged uh, macro or emerging macro asset. Um, so that's for Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum, I think similar story. In 2017, it was basically just this casino for uh, initial coin offerings. And now it actually has this booming ecosystem of decentralized finance protocols. And, uh, you know, Web 3.0, like kind of like NFTs that are, are booming on it. And most importantly for Ethereum as a blockchain, it just began its first step towards transitioning to uh, E2.0 on December 1st. So E2.0 is no longer this, you know, 
thing that's promised in the future that will scale Ethereum orders of magnitude and make it more secure, uh, but just complete, always out of out of touch. It's now something that is uh, very close to being real. Mm-hmm. And then beyond Ethereum and Bitcoin, you actually have uh, applications like all the DeFi protocols. So it's like the Uniswaps of the world. It's the uh, Yearn finances of the world. Um, financial protocols that are commanding and uh, facilitating like billions of dollars in capital flows across Ethereum um, without trusted third parties, like kind of sticking to the, the same you know, principles as uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, like truly decentralized uh, protocols. Uh, so that's exciting as well. And then when you look at like NFTs, for example, I mean, over the weekend, there was uh, an artist that sold you know, $3 million of uh, digital art in just 48 hours over Ethereum. Like that stuff is incredible. So like when I think about, you know, what's been happening in the markets recently and what is likely to happen in the markets over the next year, I think it's justified. Like there, there's real progress here and that progress is, is tangible. Like there's real activity taking place. And like I said, some of the products are actually like Bitcoin are actually like complete. Like it's like it's it's here and it, it works. So I think that's one of the most exciting things about being in this industry today is that all the things that you know people had invested in uh, in 2017 based off the promise of them eventually working are now things that are starting to work. Uh, so that, yeah. that's very exciting because you know this. I mean, granted much of what's happening outside of Bitcoin is still happening on a very small scale. Like DeFi users are basically just crypto insiders. Um, and you know, no one, like the people who are, don't have, like you're not banking the unbanked yet. You're not disrupting, you know, the, the, the big financial institutions of the world yet. Uh, but you, you can see that um, the, a, a glimpse of the future is there in, in DeFi. Um, so it's always exciting. Oh yeah, DeFi is so exciting. I try to keep keep away from it because I'm a little too old to go down another rabbit hole at this point. I got <laughs> I got things that are important in my life, but um, what I what I would say I will push back on you though, Ryan. I would say Bitcoin isn't complete, but it's mature. I I feel like Bitcoin is mature. I don't think it's complete because there's still some advancements that Bitcoin has to make. It's still getting this Lightning Network shit together. That's uh, that's taking some time and some care. Or maybe you mean complete in a different sense than I do. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I think uh, I think I, I agree with you that I, I guess maybe maybe when I when I meant I think mature is, is probably the better phrasing, uh, like what you said. Because I think when I meant complete, I meant complete as a bonafide store value asset, right? I think that in, in that capacity, Bitcoin is a, a basically, you know, complete product. As in, uh, if you were someone who wanted to invest, if you're like an investor and you wanted to invest in Bitcoin on the thesis that it was digital gold, Bitcoin has all the properties to basically serve that purpose today, in a sense. Um, yeah. So in that capacity, it's, you know, like I said, you know, I think you phrase it better, like mature, but yeah, there's, there's definitely more that Bitcoin has to, has to do to, yeah, uh, yeah to, to continue to grow. 
That's so mature that old Jamie Dimon did a complete 180. I love that guy. I love that guy. He's like, Bitcoin? I never said Bitcoin was trash. I've been a Bitcoin fan this whole time. I love this shit. Like, you lying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious seeing people uh, flip on Bitcoin after all this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like a... I was gonna say, like, it's almost like a mix of, I think it's, it's a mix of two things. It's on some, in some cases, like in the case of someone like Paul Tudor Jones, it's, it's definitely just very organically learning about Bitcoin and, and why it matters. And then I think in other cases, it's people uh, flipping to kind of hedge themselves because they call this thing uh, useless before and they don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Which is pretty crazy to think that there there are some people that are that actually think of being bearish Bitcoin as a as a risk. Like that's that's how much progress, or yeah, that's how much progress that Bitcoin has made in you know penetrating the uh, you know public yeah. consciousness that it's a it's a it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, that's a that's actually a great point. I never thought about that. And that that's you know now people are saying yeah you just you better hold some bitcoin because not holding it or betting against it is not is the high risk exactly so that's that's a good that's a good point that we're at I mean I know I'm excited I'm excited for my future I just don't know what I'm gonna call my boat just yet but <laughs> it'll be it'll be catchy no I'm playing, I'm playing. so. Why? So Masari basically. Um, so for those, I know you've been listening to the show for a while, audience, and we never even specifically outlined what Masari is and does. But we're gonna do that right now, so you can understand why you're listening to my man Ryan, and 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 what exactly Masari is. Uh, but it does a little bit more than just feed everyone's real time data. Am I right? Like you guys go above and beyond. So I kind of want to give the listener an opportunity to hear, like, I want you, Ryan, give the elevator pitch to my listeners about what Masari is and why they need to go check it out ASAP. But... Yeah, so you can think of Masari as a Bloomberg-like service for crypto assets. So what that means is that Masari provides data and analytics tools, uh, as well as uh, research um, and intelligence for the, the crypto asset industry. So uh, the data can be, you know, anything from, you know, on-chain data for, you know, various blockchain networks, so seeing like transaction volumes, uh, you know, uh, exchange flows, et cetera, uh, analytics tools, like charting tools, uh, screeners, this is giving you ways of actually making sense of that data that we have in our site. Uh, research that's kind of like equity research, but focus on different uh, crypto assets that can be uh, reports that are focused on specific assets that can be reports focused on trends uh, that can be reports focused on themes. Um, and then intelligence, that's kind of like uh, an alerting system for critical events that happen in this industry for different blockchain networks. So that could be 
you know, if a blockchain is about to go through a major network upgrade, we can provide you an alert. If there's a key governance change that's about to be put through, we put out an alert. Um, so that's what Masari does. It's, it's, a, it's a mix of providing you uh, quantitative and qualitative, um, yeah, basically quantitative and qualitative information to help you as a, as a user uh, navigate this space. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, we can wrap it up. I'm going to ask our trademark question. Uh, I hope that you hope you knock it out of the ballpark. It is in 10 words or less. Can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first digital asset with absolute scarcity governed by the people. Ooh. Is that 10 words? It's close. I got 12 or 13 somewhere in there. If I drop an Ooh. article, <laughs> you sit at about 12. It's okay. Ooh. That just means that uh, that means nothing at all, actually. This is just really no, <laughs> really no consequences. It's just a very fun question to ask. Uh, a question we've been asking for years now, and it's awesome that everybody can now keep it short. When we first started this, it was like people were trying to write a novel, trying to answer that question. Oh, yeah, I can, I can and imagine. To, and to me, the closer you get to the simplicity of Dr. Seuss, the more value things have. And it's a weird paradox, I guess you call it. Like, nobody, it's, it's awkwardly complex how money is, but yet it's simple enough to drive the whole planet. You know, so it's like, you know, we try to see if somebody can come up with some simple definitions. So, well, Ryan, Mr. Watkins, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, representing Masari, kind of telling us a little about what, what Masari does and just kind of hanging out and talking to where, how far the industry has come, how far Bitcoin has come, where things are going and kind of a way to start thinking about these things so thanks man thanks for your time yeah appreciate you for having me on and we're back i hope you enjoyed that interview with mr Watkins from masari.io uh we hope that you visit masari.io and educate yourself on what's going on there if you're in a position to take advantage of the services they offer do it we're not sponsored by them i just back them because I trust them. It could be. And Masari, if you're listening, is what you guys do hard? <laughs> uh, you should hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Um, I think we should ask that very... question from now on out. Like, I kind of want to ask everyone that question. <laughs> That's it, a it, pretty it's, good it's question, unique. dude. Because yeah. they should be. They should be able to say. They should be able to justify it. Yeah. What if they just say no? My job is hard. No, because there are a lot of jobs out there. Large sums of money. (laughs) There are, but there are a lot of jobs out there that aren't hard. They just do something that no one wants to do. Or they. But do you think that they would actually say that, Corey? Like my job isn't hard. They're just paying me like four hundred thousand dollars a year to do it. I would love it if they did. But like, (laughs) but then that that opens it up, right? Like, if we're going to be honest with ourselves and like be fun with this, then we can just call them out. We're like, that shit ain't hard. 
Damn. We should actually ask this. We should have a new trademark question. That one at the top of the interview, and then to describe Bitcoin or Ether or whatever. What do you do? Want. Is it actually hard? Yeah. Can, can you describe Bitcoin in 10 words or less? <laughs> is what you do actually hard? That is a great question if you think about it. Like, I I want to ask that to everyone now. You want to no retro, retroactively ask everybody we had to yeah. read? Uh, period well, like, well i mean realistically speaking like if we're gonna be like a little more serious about this it's the question is is a good question because it's it's tell us why what you do matters yeah it's true and it, it, in my opinion anything that actually matters is probably also going to be hard probably so about this idea we've got to ask this with every interview this is a great question all right this is what happens when jesse just says rude things <laughs> You broke that woman's soul. She was like, I'm well, a I mean, thirst. Reasonably speaking, like that's her business is to be known. And yeah, she probably keeps true. doing it because she thinks she's known. That's true. Well, she's she's doing a great job. Mm. So. Is she though? Oh man. Anyway. Yeah, that's the same thing. Um, so now is the time of the show where we break into a segment. We used to have a show on our podcast network called Dose of Ether. We don't anymore. It's now a segment called Dose of Ether that we're going to do right now. Now, Dose of Ether isn't sponsored by Weekend Ethereum, which is a newsletter by a friend of the show, Evan Vanessa, who That's... I will forever say missed his opportunity to name everything he does Evan Vanessence. But it's so good, whatever. It's so good, and he just didn't care. But anyways, Evan, um, a shout out to your amazing newsletter. Uh, what Evan does is he uh, coagulates—that's not the right word. He curates. gathers, curates, aggregates, coagulate, aggregates, curates, assimilates, assimilates, combines. Uh, there's a lot of words. There's a lot of synonyms. Uh, all these links and information that's going on in Ethereum. And it's always a lot every week. It's a dense, it's a, it's a large amount of information to consume. I'm going to just count the bullet points here. 40 bullet points I just counted. You literally just counted a 40 right there. I'm getting really good at counting groupings. Uh, We're going to for a while. I challenge that. Challenge it. Twitter. I bet you audience, off by two bullet points. Audience. I would like you to count the bullet points. Jesse's counting them right now. Ethereum. No, 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 no. Fuck Jesse. He, don't do it, Jesse. Don't do it. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. All right, good. All He's right. doing something else. <laughs> I want the audience like, to like, count yeah, the bullet like, points of weekendethereumnews.com and tell D why he's wrong. Totally wrong. You're you're totally wrong. I don't believe you. I'll get. I'll give you ten bucks in the crypto of your choice if you're right. I bet you. I bet you I'm within within four bullet points. Within four bullet points. Okay. Plus or minus four bullet cool. points. Ten bucks in the crypto of your choice. If you're within four bullet points of what did you say, 40? Fuck, man. We're supposed to be talking about Ethereum. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody count these fucking bullet points. All right. And this is from uh this is from January 10th, 2021. So make sure you get the right shit. All right. Anyways, weekend Ethereum. Did you, right. you you're you're cool with that bet, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. What do we even bet? Ten bucks of of 
10 US dollars in the crypto of your choice. I don't have all the cryptos. Oh, <laughs> I said, if I win, I, I get said the, the crypto of your choice. So you got to exchange it and everything? Yeah. All right. Be ready to take this fucking L. I already know which crypto <laughs> I want. So these these bullet points, they like, um, they're, they're, they're grouped. Stuff for developers, security, incidents, ecosystem like news, application layer news, regulation slash business tokens, right? Uh, and then there's just general. Um, the thing that I thought was most interesting, uh, which which was a combination of uh, me seeing it on Twitter first, and then actually then seeing it again in a week in Ethereum. Um, was Vitalik's, not plea, not manifesto. I don't know what the word is, but he, he made a claim that like, we could, we could kind of save a lot of cryptos memo. That's a good word. Thank you, Alicia. We could save a lot of problems in crypto if we were to adopt social recovery wallets. And I was like, what is a social recovery wallet? And then I started reading it and I think like on the face, on the surface level, it's a multi-signature wallet. No. Well, maybe not the surface mm. level. Maybe the subterranean level. Maybe make an argument there, but keep going. Sorry. Maybe the subterranean level, it's a multi-sig wallet. But it's like a way for you to recover your wallet by uh, basically proclaiming to the world important people in your life, right? And since the world knows that those are important people in your life, and you know they're important people to your life, then you can recover your wallet based on those three people being around and saying like, oh yeah, that's his wallet. Now, that's a very like, uh, it's a very shitty way of explaining it probably, technically, but it would be like if I lost something and Jesse and Corey knew that that was mine. And then I was like, hey, place that I lost it, that's the, my PlayStation controller. And then Jesse and Corey would be like, yeah, I know that is his PlayStation controller. Like, I know that's his, that's his. And so they would give me back my PlayStation controller. Um, would you like me to, like, add a layer to that? I would. So, funny enough, like, a couple of the leading protocols for social recovery come from status. Because we'll be implementing these things. Uh, I, there might be some available somewhere, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, but ours would be fully decentralized. And the, and the concept here is that um in blockchains you're you are using public and private keys so you have to hold on to keys which is just basically a long ass password right we're cool with that did i say 40 or did i say 30 bullet points you said 40 i said 40 the first time yeah yeah well, he's raising his hands because he's not listening. He's counting bullet points. I'm, so, I'm, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. So you have a long ass password, uh, and if you lose that, so your your phone, like you happen to have a wallet on your phone, and you didn't back it up. You didn't back up your seed phrase. You didn't back up your private key. Whatever, and you lose your phone, or you downloaded a key store file for something, and you put it on your desktop and you, you got a blue screen of death and your hard drive failed, whatever. You lost, you lost your private keys. Social recovery is a way to break that digital information up, that basically that password and your private key into a bunch of parts using cryptographic schemes. 
and then dispersing those to people you trust. So individuals have a part of your private key or C phrase or whatever, your valuable information, but they can't do anything with it. What they can do is give it back to you and if you ask for it. So say I lost my phone uh, and I want to, like, this isn't currently implemented, but an example of this, if like, I lost my phone, I want to recover my status account, but I don't have any of the material I use to create the account. What I can do is say, these people can verify that I am who I think I am or who I say I am. I gather that information from them, do some cryptography, cryptography magic, and I have my account back. That's that's the gist of social recovery is that I'm breaking up secrets, distributing to my friends. And if you can, and the, the number of friends that you use is variable. You can do like three out of the five friends that I say have to give me something back. Oh. So there's, re, there's redundancy you could build into these types of things. And, and if they say that I am who I say I am, I can reconstitute my entire account. None of them have access to it. Because if they were to like join a cabal and they say like you know what, fuck Corey, we're gonna take his count over. We're gonna we're gonna recover it ourselves and take all his money. You can't do that because it's actually encrypted by me. So they only hold a piece of information they can't do anything with. One thing they can do is give it back to me. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with cryptography uh, that allows you to break up a secret, disperse it across a bunch of people. And then in, in like drastic scenarios where I need to recover this type of stuff, ask them in certain types of channels that I would like this back, reconstitute all that information, and then get my account back completely. I don't lose anything. Without, it's sexy. I love without, it. Without the ability for them to take that information that I've given them and reconstitute it themselves. Well, it's less likely. And so like this is a really good way for – Eventually, your grandma to hold crypto because she's she's gonna yeah. forget her password. You guys will be in my circle of trust. I want you guys to know that. Right back at you, bro. Cool. You'd be. Yeah, you, guys, you can do that too with me. You'd be the N in my N of M. Or sorry, oh. you'd be the. Is that a shirt? That's a shirt. You'd be the N in my N of M. I mean, Daniel, you figured really... that out. <laughs> you'd be an N in my N of M. Yeah, that's a good shirt. You'd be an in in my N of M. Let me ask you this, Corey. Do you not think that banks are just going to take that and be like, hey, thanks for creating something that could have been useful for like like local communities. We're going to use it for banks now. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck no, banks. no doubt about yeah. it. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Like, they, You should never be surprised when fuck bank. Uh, uh, somebody uses open source technology and cryptography and then does, some, does what they do better. That's never going to not happen. If you get if you if a if a piece of technology is created that allows someone to do something that they've been doing but do it better or offer services yeah. that they couldn't be able to offer attached to what they already do, they're gonna do it. But you still have options. You don't have to use it. Right. So what I'm getting at is like you like this this story that you wove together was basically using your grandma as like a, a point of trust in this social. No, it's your grandma using you as a point of trust. I ain't trusting my grandma. grandma <laughs> You don't I'm use just it. Saying, like, not realistically, trust. like these people have, like when I say these people, I mean, you know, the other, right? In quotes, the others. Talking about GPPs? GPPs. Yeah. Yeah. General GPP. purpose people. Yeah. 
they're 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 just gonna get into crypto. This is just gonna be another layer to assist them in absorbing. No, <laughs> it's, just, it's just gonna help them get into crypto. No, it's like just gonna help them with like in, instead of yeah. or, bank. or 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 the way that you interact with their bank is gonna be better and more secure. Mm-hmm. Like even if it does make banking more banking, it's probably gonna make banking better. Yeah. Yeah. Everything Doesn't makes, that stray away from like the whole point of crypto? If there's a usable tool or technique, it's going to make everything better. The more general, the better. You know what I mean? Online payments. Thank you, porn industry. I love it now. I pay with everything online. I love it. Everyone's in a blue eBay, eBay pushed that quite a bit. That was not porn. PayPal, was came, PayPal came from eBay. PayPal didn't that shit. What? I don't think PayPal originated online payments. Are you using uh, what porn people use or are you using what PayPal did? I just mean paying for stuff online. It was the porn industry that started that. And I think it was PayPal that perfected it. Uh, I don't have to answer that. that. Research. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> get to clickety clacking, Jesse. Tell me that I'm right. I already know I'm right on the bullet point shit. Your boy can count, but. No, I'm sorry. We don't know that audience. You should count those bullet points on a week in Ethereum. And then when I'm right, within plus a tolerance of plus or minus four, tweet that Corey, say, Corey, D was right this week. Damn it. It's uh, gambling and porn. Mm. I didn't That's bet on two. that one. So I'm a two for this week. I didn't bet on that we need, one. We need Marcello back in the game so I can start betting him again because I was one. <laughs> porn invented a lot of shit, man. Porn really laid down the framework. For all this shit, it's even, I think it's reinventing social media. You know how scared I am when I'm on Pornhub and there's this whole like comment thread underneath the video. And I'm like, man, what if I accidentally shared that thread to something I care about? Are you and commenting on porn? No, no, I'm not. I've, <laughs> I've thought about you it. You swear to I'm God. Not. I swear. You thought about it? What are you thinking about? Because they say funny shit down there. And you you know, when you notice something and they notice something and you're like, oh yeah, guy, I noticed that too. That was I saw that part. Hey, how'd you meet your best friend? Oh, you know, we started having a conversation on a porn thread. <laughs> it was a That's a story thread. you never want to tell anyone. Yeah, I know, but I think th- I mean, look at uh Venmo. People tell people what they're buying now. Well, I purposely so put know. terrible things in Venmo public chat. When yeah, I pay like, somebody anything in Venmo, it's gonna it's it's usually something just awful. <laughs> I love trying to decipher the emojis. Like I paid for this with emoji sentence, and I'm like, pie, dollar sign, cucumber, grapefruit. What is going on there? What did you buy? What is it's just fun. It's fun. All right, but anyway, so before we before we wrap up, I want to say a uh, little little uh like self-marketing, some shilling going on here. Oh, uh, shill away. I started, today was the day we started the kernel education course, uh, specifically the security track for kernel, which is a uh, offshoot of Gitcoin, which is basically a community of people of trying to understand the concept of security for decentralized web. I built a curriculum for this thing. Um, my first course, so like the beginning of the actual course is going to be next week on the 19th. Uh, today was like the intro opening, uh, so on and so forth. And I, and I I am incredibly pleased with the 
quality of people we have in this course. It ranges from people who are just trying to enter the space, traditional security experts who have been in the space for a long time, or been in like security for a long time, but want to like leave and join crypto because they feel it's worth worth their time and they want to contribute to developers of massive projects to security people that are be- way better than me. Uh, I'm really, really excited that this is happening. And it's, I think, going to end up becoming a community where you would go if you'd like to understand uh, security in decentralized web. I'm super, super stoked about it. So that kicked off today. Um, I'm talking with them. If you're interested, maybe there's a chance you can join um, still. Uh, but uh, if if not, there will be another iteration of it. This is something we're going to continue doing, trying to continually educate and build the security community of cryptocurrency because it's incredibly small and it's, a, it's in my opinion, probably the most lucrative field you can be in that has any type of... Uh, It's it's I'm I'm confident that you make money on knowledge and security and crypto that you would even just building smart contracts or like joining DeFi. That's very true. You can make a lot of money just working in crypto if you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, and security isn't going to go away. There's nothing make- about that concept that's going to go away. What if you know what you're doing, but just want to do it part time? Like, can you still make a lot of like a lot of scratch? Probably. Depends on what you focus on. Like you want to do it like eight hours a week. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. My whole life is this. It's hard for me to even record, like think about that. I can dig it. But that happened. Um, and if you'd like to learn about all things security and the cryptocurrency space, look it up. We'll be publishing a lot of things. Congratulations on starting that. that I hope it cool. works. Hope it doesn't suck. I hope it, like first day, like you're a sham. You don't know what you're talking about. We're all leaving. Like that's well, yeah. Nobody <laughs> nobody starts something hoping it sucks. So well, you know, I really hope this fails in the, the dying fire. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with all those cinder blocks back there? You gonna karate chop those or what? Oh no, 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 no. those. I got cinder blocks in my in my room uh, because my my desk used to be standing, and that's what propped them up. Ah, uh, put it, it back down. Put it back down on the ground because oh. I got tired of standing. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why you buy one of these desks that goes up and down because that ah, happens now. I got lazy. I, I had cinder blocks lying around, so I used those. Shell so, out the yeah. ducats, bro, and get a desk that can do both. Trust me, because sometimes you get tired of sitting and you don't want to have to put the cinder blocks back. No, I'm gonna make a standing desk elsewhere. That's not all my the whole setup. I can dig it. I'll I'll get people out of your business now. Well. Jesse, you want to talk about anything Ethereum-wise? Um, no, go ahead and wrap up. Chill away. Chill the network. All right. This episode is brought to you by Jesse's Hair. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, check it out. Just check it out. How would, how would uh, they check it out? Is there, is, can, Jesse, could you post? Yeah. D took a picture of you. He's going to post <laughs> it online. Do you like an OnlyFans and just have my <laughs> hair? Save that for Fish <laughs> Trap Thursdays. Just blur the face. Save that picture. <laughs> Bitcoin podcast doing thirst trap Thursdays and crypto, baby. Coming at you real soon. All right. All I need is some oil for my chest. What kind of oil uh, you use? You use like coconut oil? You're trying like some uh, 
Kind of like some, some well, shea butter? What do you use? It's funny that you ask. I actually use a combination of coconut oil, uh, tea tree oil, and um, cocoa cocoa butter oil. And then there's... <laughs> butter uh, oil. Sorry, Shea, Hold Shea. on. What's the difference between Shea. coconut oil and cocoa butter oil? Uh, cocoa butter oil makes... It's got like a black... I feel like it's like $6 more in the product section. It's the same shit. Well, no, no, no. It's not. And then I also use... Uh, Let me tell you, Corey. Butter is saturated <laughs> sure. fats. <laughs> and oil is unsaturated. A little bit of mint. And that's the it's a combination of oils that I use. And uh, it's really good. It keeps the moisture in the skin. It's good. You can get it at a Sally's Beauty Supply. Yeah. Those still exist? They do. Uh, that's where most uh, black people get a lot of their <laughs> products and skin products and stuff. So Alicia says yes. Yeah. Delicious. We get all that stuff because when you go to the store, like I I don't know. I don't do you usually know those like three in one shampoos, Corey? Like this is shampoo, body wash, face wash, and ass wash. Like that stuff. I don't I didn't shower, dude. I don't even shower. I don't even shower. I'm a dirty ass man. He just uses pine needles. No, my wife. No, dude. My wife works at a very high end salon. So when I, when I when I take a shower, there's, I have I have I pick the litter of whatever products you could possibly think of, and she's mad at me when I use them. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, anyways, well, like the hair, products that are on the shelves, like they're they're full of chemicals and stuff. So us uh, black people. Us blacks, uh, as Trump would say, uh, we, <laughs> we don't use those products because they hurt our skin and hair. We have to use the real stuff. So, yeah, as one of the blacks, uh, I can say that confidently. You are one of the blacks. <laughs> Thanks, Trump. Uh, Thanks for that one. Uh, now, um, Do you think other black people around the world are mad that they're not the blacks? What do you mean? Oh, like you're the black? Like the American, African-Americans are the blacks? I feel like that's I, the I guarantee that other black communities around the world are also called the blacks by the associated uh, bigots that don't like them. It's interesting. If you're listening and you're not America black, please chime in. <laughs> America black. So, anyways, uh, we're gonna. So, if you like what you're hearing, like if you listen to this and you're like, man, I like the cut of those guys' jib, and I'm 78 years old because I say things like cut of those guys' jib, then you should sign up for our Patreon. Uh, go to the Patreon. Wow, it's in the description. It's in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go there. Look in the show description. If you're on your app, you can look at the your app and you can look in the show description and you'll see it there. Click there. All right, it'll take you there. You could be a patron. Being a patron gives you dope shit. Do I know it? I should. This show <laughs> this but it doesn't. But it doesn't. I would know what that great shit is on the top of my head. But I don't. I know where you could reference that shit. On our Patreon. One of the things it does do, which is new, uh, is it gives you access to a um, a private channel in the Slack where we spend more attention. There's, there's so many channels in the Slack to keep up with. Uh, so I don't read it all. I can't. I don't have time for that. 
I read what I can. I read what I'm interested in and I talk about that stuff. But if you're a patron, you get access to a private Slack where I will pay attention to it and I'll answer questions. Same thing for Jesse, same thing for D. Same thing for the other patrons. And you can give ideas on who we would interview, what we talk about, so on and so forth. I'm going to pay more attention to that channel because it's the people who support us directly that I do the rest of the channels, which are free and are incredibly vibrant. But it's it's not a guarantee that I'm going to pay attention to it. The community will, which is probably good enough, to be honest, but we got that too. Yeah, so the free access to 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 us is still there, but guess what? The non-free access to us is better, <laughs> and that's where we're going to spend most of our time. So you got a decision to make now, don't you, listener? Yeah. So it's cheap. Join the Slack and become a patron. You got to do it like sixteen uh, times, dude. Wah, 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 wah. All right, that's it. Uh, was that quiet or was that loud? It's kind of loud. Post-production will take care of it. Don't worry about it. Turn your phone off. I didn't silence my phone. Um, what else do we do? We join do a lot of shit, man. Go to thebitcoinpodcast.com. Join the Slack. Say, hey, we're here now. And we'll be Follow like, hey, us on Twitter. Up? Hey, like, Follow subscribe. Us. Tell your friends. Yeah. Hey, I got a question. What's what? up? Is what we do hard? No, no is what we do actually hard. <laughs> so we do so I would say that now, no, now, no. In the beginning, yes. Depends. Like <laughs> some people just got it. I mean, don't be wrong. There's a lot of stuff we've learned over the years, but go put it this way: go back and listen to like episodes one through ten. They're bad. Creating can, content. They're bad. <laughs> You can only get them at the bitcoinpodcast.com, but they're bad. I would say that creating content can be difficult if you have no focus and you don't have a constant thought on that content. Like over the years, we've kind of perfected having some sort of time that we think about what we're going to be talking to or we think about the show, you know, like, and we do it on the side. I think that it could be hard, Jesse, if we were like, you know what? Podcasting is what we do. Fuck everything else in our life. Then yeah, it would be hard. We'd have to. Nah, learn. I think I'd be really good at that. <laughs> yeah, but oh, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd kill high self efficacy. Yeah, yeah, I'm super it's, good at that. Yeah, I'm super confident. Is <laughs> through the roof, you know, and mine's up there too. But I think it would be tough. It's kind of hard to learn things well, sometimes like from my perspective like i've been doing only crypto um so we started the podcast as a way to as a, as a way for us to almost like force ourselves to learn because like we were gonna do a podcast every week every saturday we do yeah. a podcast and in order to do that we had to like spend some time on it to mm-hmm. so that we weren't bad at it and that allowed mm-hmm. us to like keep track of what was going on now every waking moment that i that i exists is something to do with this 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 industry so when i podcast that's my break now i get to like just talk about my week or the things Mm -hmm, that i've learned or like give my perspective on whatever we're talking about based on the years of experience that i've had and and you do the same thing jesse you do the same thing 
even if you're not in a space to a lesser degree, you've been, yeah, it's lesser <laughs> because lesser you're degree. not, <laughs> this isn't your life, but it's the same shit. Right. And I think that's what makes it nice is that we all aren't the same thing. Yep. So yeah. that you have questions. I have an intuition. I say things. They don't make sense. I sit back and wait for articles that validate all the bullshit that I say and <laughs> talk about it on my show. Mm-hmm. So I could only ever seem like a well-validated motherfucker. So then we, <laughs> that's a t-shirt. I think that's another t-shirt. Well-validated <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> a well-validated motherfucker. Uh, so yeah, we had two shirt, two t-shirt ideas. One is uh, I will let you be an N in my N of M, and then uh, we also have uh, we have uh, I'm a well-validated motherfucker right there. So yeah. In fact, if Daniel, if you wanted to, you could get my face and then one of those William Shakespeare hats, and then it would say Negro Domus on the top. Negro Domus will go through the feather running to the cap. I think and you need to just bottom, make take that picture so that we can use it for shirts of Negro Domus. And on the bottom, it would say a well-validated motherfucker. And then that would be it. With Bitcoins <laughs> over his nipples. Yeah. Bitcoins. With bits on the nips, baby. All right, that's it. We're uh, we are we're gonna wrap this shit up. All right, we're gonna wrap it. So go to the bitcoinpodcast.com, poke around, join the Slack, ask around, talk a bit. All right, get your socks off. Uh, shout out to Megan the Stallion. I you know I knew what Corey. Get your socks off. Yeah, come to the Slack. Get your socks off. Yeah, it means something. I don't think that's a phrase. If 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 he if he says it enough and we go with it, Corey, it can become oh, a phrase. Shit. No, it's get your rocks off, isn't it? Get your socks off. No, you, you no, can't. We're going, like, we're going with it. Just go with it, D. No, yeah, we're not. We just can't make that off. a thing. If if, if <laughs> and if you'd like to go like ahead. go go watch Key and Peel, put the pussy on the chain wax to get an idea <laughs> what D just tried to do, like. <laughs> Yeah. What did you just say? Put the pussy on the chain wax. That's not a thing. That's not. Anyways, uh, shout out to Megan the Stallion. Your twerking thing is taking the world by storm like I knew it would. She invented a new twerk. No, don't it's care. Taking the world by storm. Go ahead and hashtag yourself. Hashtag Megan the Stallion and watch this new twerk quaze. Craze. Quaze. This new twerk quaze that's taking over the world. Uh, it's. It's phenomenal, Megan. What you do uh, with your body is art. I like that Alicia gives us reminders that you need to shout out to Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> Just Alicia works well with me now. She knows I have the memory of Dory. <laughs> if it's not right in front of my face, it's not getting said. That is not, not an exaggeration. He is terrible at his memory. <laughs> my memory works very weird. I remember. And by very weird, weird, you mean it doesn't. No, like it does. Just sort of very weird things. Like I remember the Street Fighter Two code to wear the same uniform as your opponent. What is it? Uh, it is up. It is down R up L X Y A B select start. I got Fucking it. Fucking nerd. I got it up here. Yeah, you uh, know, like the Konami code. Nobody ever can forget that if you're a gamer, right? Nope, you can't. A B A B down down. No, up up down down left right left right A B start. Oh yeah, select start. That's that. Select start, sir. Select start. Oh fuck, you're right, Corey. You got yeah. Um, got the blood oh. code for Mortal Kombat. 
Megan the Stallion gave uh, Alicia some Bitcoin on Cash App. Wrap it up. We're leaving. Hello, <laughs> Curtis as well. I see you, boo. And shout out to the Queen Lori Harvey. I don't know who that is, but it's on the teleprompter. Um, that's it. Play the outro.